Well, if you're new with us, my name is Trent, and we are in part two of a marriage series called I Still Do. And last week, we started this series by looking at some of the unhealthy expectations that we have of marriage. Uh, Some of us get into marriage thinking that it's going to solve our problems. Some of us get into marriage thinking, no, it's going to solve my loneliness. It's going to heal my broken heart. It's going to meet all of my emotional and physical needs. And then we get married. And no matter how great of a marriage you have, at some point you start experiencing unmet expectations. You think about most arguments that couples have, they center around somebody's expectations aren't met. And when those expectations aren't met for too long, then our relationships start to erode into a set of demands that we make on each other. So we look at each other and say, listen, you're like, you're not meeting my expectations. And because of that, you owe me. You owe me something. You're not fulfilling your end of the bargain. So you owe me love, you owe me sex, you owe me uh, more money, you owe me a bigger house, you owe me something because you're not living up to my expectations in this relationship. And when our marriages erode into a set of demands that we make on each other, they start looking more like contracts than anything else. Contracts where we say, I'll do my part, but only after you have done your part. And if you're not doing your part, then, then I'm out. That's not what God had in mind when he came up with the marriage relationship. God wants marriage to be something different than a contract. And instead of a contract, God designed marriage to be a covenant, a covenant agreement between two people. So that's what we're going to look at today is what's a a covenant agreement and how does that apply to our marriage relationships? And To do that today, I'm going to walk us down several different paths, okay? So we're going to look at several different subjects, and I'm going to try to let you know when we're shifting from one subject to another. And at the end, my hope is that we're all back on one path, one one subject that ties all this together for us and gives us some practical application. So what we're going to do in our start of this message today is we're going to look at the creation of Adam and Eve. And we're going to look at their wedding ceremony. And there's some foundational information that we need to know about the relationship between men and women in the context of marriage. So Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to start today in verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, the man that we're talking about there is Adam, and we get Adam's name from the Hebrew word Adama, which means ground or dirt, okay? So you may not know this, but Adam had a nickname in the Garden of Eden. Uh, The animals and the angels knew him as Dirt Man. So it's one of my corny jokes. Yes, you can laugh in church. It's really okay. Makes me feel better. Makes me feel like I'm not alone. All right, so ladies, if you've ever like wondered, like, I just can't figure out my man, let me remind you, we're made from dirt, okay? <laughs> it's just scriptural. We're made from dirt. There's not a lot to figure out. We're pretty simple. And if you've ever asked your man, what are you thinking? And if he has ever answered nothing, he means it. Like, he's probably not thinking about anything because we just have dirt clods rolling around in our brain. And I think that's part of the reason why God said in verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to make him a helper. Uh, on a serious note, when God looked at Adam and said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone, his answer for that aloneness 
was marriage. It was a marriage relationship. So he said, I'm gonna make a helper who's just right for him. So listen to that in verse 21. It says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And listen to what Adam said. He said, at last, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. So part of the reason why he said that was uh, uh, before God had created Eve, uh, God had Adam name the animals. So God brought all the animals to Adam. And so Adam's sitting there watching animals go by and he's naming them. You know, at first they were these real complicated names like hippopotamus and later he just got to like fly. Like, I don't know, like flies all I got left. And so he's watching all these animals and he gets to the end and he looks around and goes like, there's no match for me. All the animals have a match, but I don't. So when God creates Eve, he's looking at Eve as God brings her to him in her pre-fig leaf glory and Adam goes, wow, this one is bone of my bone and flesh from my flesh. And he says, I'm gonna call her woman or depending on which translation, some say, whoa, man, amazing. She's beautiful. Now it's very interesting to see where God took the bone from Adam to create Eve. One Bible scholar said this about that. Listen to this, I thought it was very profound. Eve wasn't made out of Adam's head to surpass him nor from his feet to be trampled on by him, but from his side to be equal to him and near to his heart. So men, our role in our relationship with our wives and with women is not to rule over them. I thought I'd hear like an amen or hallelujah out of you ladies. Oh, there's one up front. Okay, now ladies, listen. Your role is not to rule over men. I thought I'd hear an amen or something. <laughs> Guys are asleep. God created Adam and Eve as equals. There are different roles that we play in our relationship, but our relationship is based upon equality. Now listen to verse 24 and 25. 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and here's God's mystical math, and the two shall become one. The two are united into one. Verse 25 says, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So in Genesis chapter two there, we have the very first wedding. God brings Eve to Adam. God officiates their wedding ceremony. And from that moment on, they are now referenced as husband and wife. Now we're gonna transition and look at what a covenant agreement is in the Bible. A covenant is the deepest of all agreements between two people. It isn't a contract. There aren't loopholes. There aren't ways out of this. Once agreed upon, it becomes a commitment that cannot be broken. No one entering a covenant relationship would say, well, I didn't really mean to agree to that or I didn't really know what I was agreeing to. No, you understood what you were agreeing to and you'll understand why uh, people understood that once you hear how someone got into a covenant in ancient Bible days. There were several ways in ancient Bible days to get into a covenant agreement. And one of the ways I'm going to describe is kind of a gory way. So just hang with me while I explain this. 
when two people wanted to make a covenant, they would first talk about the details of their agreement in front of some witnesses. So they'd gather witnesses together and say, we're about to enter this covenant relationship. We want you to hear what we're about to agree to so that others can witness and attest to this. And they would often refer to God as their primary witness. So they'd say to each other, like, God is the witness of what we are agreeing to today. So like, hey, God's going to oversee this and make sure that we do what we're promising to do. Now, once the details of the agreement were decided, they would, and here's kind of the gory part, they would take some animals, they would cut those animals in half, they would lay the the carcasses of those animals opposite of each other on the ground, and there would be this, this kind of bloody path that would form between. Then they would hold hands, and they would walk down this bloody path together to confirm their agreement. Kind of a gross experience, I'm sure. But it was in the presence of God, other witnesses, the blood of dead animals, and these animal carcasses that their agreement would be made. So they were basically saying to each other, uh, let what has happened to these animals happen to me if I don't live up to my end of the bargain. So a covenant was a really big deal. Now, God actually made this kind of covenant agreement with a man named Abraham in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Uh, God promised to give Abraham's descendants land called the promised land. And Abraham actually said, God, like, how can I know that you're going to fulfill your end of the bargain? So God said, go get some animals. Cut those animals in half. Lay them on the opposite of each other in the ground. And God himself walked down the middle of that bloody path. God made the deepest of all agreements with Abraham that day. Genesis chapter 15, verse 18 says, so the Lord God made a covenant with Abram that day. Now you might be interested to know that God has made that type of covenant with us. Actually, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated communion together and Tim guided us through that. And anytime we celebrate communion, we're being reminded of this covenant that God has made. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 It says this, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. So similar to how animals were cut in half. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. So basically, Jesus is saying, hey, you know how sometimes you enter a covenant agreement by killing animals and walking down a bloody path? My body is about to be used. My body is going to be broken for you. My blood is going to be poured out for you so that you can be on the receiving end of God's promise, of God's covenant. And you can be sure when God makes a promise, when God makes a covenant with you, he will live up to it. He will fulfill his end of the bargain. So... Again, a covenant is a really big deal to God, and it should be a big deal to us. Now, let me walk down one more path and have us look at some of the elements that we have today in our wedding ceremonies. So first, we have a man and a woman who desire to be in a lifelong relationship with each other. So what the the Bible teaches is God's intention of marriage was to, to be between one man and one woman who are totally and freely committed to each other for life. 
And on their wedding day, we have an officiant who leads the ceremony. So often that's a pastor or a priest or maybe a notary, um, someone who guides the ceremony. And they represent God in, in that moment. Again, they're not God. They represent God in the context of that ceremony. Actually, it's God who officiates uh, the wedding. And on their wedding day, they have witnesses to gather. And if you've been married, you probably had people show up at your wedding. And we, we love to come to weddings and, and cheer a couple on as they're making that commitment to each other. And even if you elope to Las Vegas to, to get married, there will be someone who witnesses the ceremony. Those are the people that say, I was there. I heard the vows. I heard what they said to each other. I can attest to the agreement that they made. Then there's typically the giving away of the bride. Often the father does that. Uh, If the father's not available, uh, sometimes family members can fill that role. Very symbolic, representing God giving Eve away to Adam. And most weddings have a set of questions that the, the groom and the bride answer, followed by a set of vows that they make to each other. Now, at the weddings that I perform, I begin the ceremony by talking about the importance of the covenant agreement. And then I ask the couple this question. I say, is it your intention today to enter a covenant relationship with God and each other? And to this point, I've never had anybody say no. Everybody said yes. And, And part of the reason is, not besides it would just be awkward in a wedding to say no at that point, Uh, Part of the reason is we do premarital counseling together and we talk about the importance of the covenant relationship. So at that point in in the ceremony, the couple really should know uh, what it means to agree to a covenant relationship. Now, after I talk about their intentions, I ask the couple a list of questions. And this might sound familiar to, to maybe a wedding that you've been at or maybe your own wedding. So first I ask the groom, do you take, fill in the blank, whatever her name is, to be your wife? To live together under God's principles and guidance? Do you promise to love her, comfort and honor her, to protect and keep her regardless of life's circumstances? Do you promise to forsake all others and give your affection and devotion only to her as long as you both shall live? And he says, I do. And then I turn and I ask, somebody says I do this morning. That's great. I turn and I ask the, the wife that or the bride that, and she says, I do. And what the couple is doing at that moment is they're making a covenant with God. Like they're looking at me, but really they're answering that question to God as he officiates the wedding. And then they turn and they make a covenant with each other. They hold hands, they look into each other's eyes, and I have them say something like this. I take you to be my wife or my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are separated by death. And then at that point, I get some animals out. You're laughing? I cut them in half. I I lay them down on the ground, and I say to all the witnesses, you've heard what this couple has said. You can attest to their agreement. And then the couple holds hands, and they walk down this bloody path. Hey, I, I know we're all glad that we don't do that nowadays. We'd have to change the, the wedding dress color from white to red if we did. Uh, but imagine for a moment if we still did that. Imagine if at the next wedding that you're going to go to, there was a spot where the pastor got out some animals, killed those animals, 
cut them in half, laid them on the ground. I think the wedding would feel a little bit like how quiet it is here. I think we might all go, wow, this is a big deal. This is a big deal to God. This is a big deal to this couple. I don't think we would rush into it too quickly. I think couples would probably do three or four rounds of premarital counseling to make sure that they're ready for each other. You know that infatuation stage in a relationship where we just don't think the other person can do anything wrong? I think we'd burn through that quickly. We go, okay, I know you got problems. Tell me what they are. Like, I want to know. I want to see what they are, and I want to see that, that we have what it takes to step into this covenant agreement, because I'm not taking it lightly. The first premarital counseling that I did was about 16 years ago. Uh, the guy who did the announcements this morning, Tim, is our executive pastor, leads our small group ministry, and his wife, Sarah, leads our local missions and our international missions. They, they came to me. We were living in Virginia at the time. We were all going to college. They came and asked if I would do their premarital counseling. And I hadn't done any premarital counseling at that point and had a background in counseling but hadn't done that. And so I said, well, why don't you go ask somebody who's done this before? And they said, no, we'd really like you to do this. So we got a, a book that was going to guide us through this process. And there were moments that I would go home and talk to my wife and she'd say, how'd it go tonight? I'd say, listen, I'm not sure they're getting married. <laughs> Why is that? Because they grilled each other. And they came in each session with a list of questions and they asked some hard hitting questions of each other. And they wanted to know, how are you going to handle this? And how are you going to handle that? And what about this situation? What about that situation? What about that, that odd thing that you do? How are we going to deal with that thing in our relationship? What about your family? What about my family? How are we going to make this work. Like we, they wanted to turn over every leaf there was, every rock that could possibly be turned over to make sure they were making the best decision possible. And I got to tell you, they set the standard high. And I am so proud of them. If you know Tim and Sarah, they have a great marriage. And you know why? They did more work before their wedding day than after. They did a lot of work before their wedding day. They wanted to make sure that they were ready for this, and they saw it as a, a covenant agreement, and I wish more of us would. You know, be honest, I wish I had seen it that way when I got married. I wish I had asked some of those questions. I wish my wife had asked some of those questions of me. I want all of us, as we look at marriage, to understand it from God's perspective and Take it very seriously. And that's why I require every couple who asks me to do a wedding ceremony, I say, you got to do premarital counseling. It's a requirement. I won't do a ceremony without premarital counseling. I want every couple to understand what God, uh, how God views marriage. And I want every couple to understand God's expectations when we get into marriage. I want every couple to do more work before their marriage so that the work after their wedding day is easier. And I didn't say easy, because marriage isn't easy. If you've been married, you know that. It's not easy, but it can be easier if we do more work at the beginning of it. So I want to help couples with that. Now, in the weddings that I perform, instead of having animals being cut open, uh, I do a traditional thing that we do in the United States, is I have the couples exchange rings. Now, the ring represents the never-ending love that should be displayed in that marriage. And then after they exchange rings, I pronounce the couple as husband and wife. They kiss, everyone claps, everybody's excited for the reception. And then the real work of marriage begins. 
You see, our marriages aren't based only on the I do's that we say on our wedding day. Marriage is based on the I still do's that we say every day. Now, let me try to tie this back together for us and give us some personal application. If you aren't married but would like to be, I strongly encourage you to see marriage God's way. See marriage as a covenant relationship, the deepest of all agreements between two people. Don't enter it lightly. Don't just go out with anybody because he's handsome or she's cute. Like burn through that quickly and ask some hard questions of the people you date. Ask some hard questions uh, so that you can uh, know the best, whether you both have what it takes to get into this relationship and, and do it in a way that really honors God. If you are single, don't spend all your time trying to look for the right person. Spend your time becoming the right person. I honestly believe as we become the people that God wants us to become, we attract those kind of people. We attract people who have a high standard for the covenant agreement that God uh, wants marriage to be. So again, set your standards high and hold them there. You'll never regret it, especially after you're married. If you are married, let me just ask you a few questions. Are you living up to your covenant vows that you made on your wedding day? And some of you may go like, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. That's what God saw when he oversaw your wedding. And he saw a, a covenant being established. And he wants you, he wants me to live up to our covenant agreement. So is your relationship based upon I did or I still do? You know, the I did is, well, I said I do back then, but then, you know, you didn't live up to my expectations and you know, maybe I didn't live up to your expectations. So our relationship's in a different spot now. So, you know, I did. I don't know that I still do. Is it based upon I did or is it based upon, you know what, I still do. I still choose you above everyone else. I still choose you above work, above other friendships, above my hobbies. I still think you are God's special gift to me, and I still choose you above every other person I could ever choose. I still choose you. So if you're not living up to those wedding vows that you've said, recommit to those. Tell your spouse, I still do, but then follow that up by showing them that. Live that in front of them. Live, I still do, every day. I still choose you. And guess what? I would choose you all over again because I love you. And here's a great way that we all can do that. Tim mentioned it in the announcements. On March 13th through the 15th, there's a marriage conference called Weekend to Remember I, I think all of us should go. My wife and I have been to one. It's been a great investment in our relationship. And here's the thing about marriages. Um, strong marriages aren't found, they're built. So sometimes we, we think if I can just find the right person, then, then if they're the right person and I'm the right person, then we're just gonna have this great relationship. Become the right person. And then God brings along the right person and build a relationship. They have to be built takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, and conferences like this can help us build marriages the way that God wants us to build marriages. And again, I think Tim mentioned it in the announcements, the cost is $250, but we are so for you and for marriage 
that we want to help you. So we're throwing in $50 that you can use to help offset the cost a little bit or to help you know, take, out, take your wife out or husband out on a date that night. We'd love to help you get to this thing. So stop by the table before you leave at the back and get more information about that. Now, there's one more group of people that I'd like to talk to this morning before we close. And that's a group of people who've experienced the pain of divorce. And I know there's a lot of people who've experienced that pain. And I wish that the pain that you felt through divorce was only the pain that you feel from you and your ex. But often the pain that you feel is compounded by how other people treat you after you're divorced or what you think God thinks about your divorce. And sometimes divorced people feel like God is angry at them because they didn't live up to their end of the bargain. Now, I'm going to ask you to listen to the rest of what I'm about to say under this subject, okay? Because someone could disengage from me for a moment. But listen to it in its entirety, okay? Because I think the entire message is really important. The Bible's clear that God hates divorce. He hates it. Why? He never wanted anybody to go through that. He knew the pain that it would cause. He never wanted any one of us to ever experience the pain of divorce. But listen to this next thing. I think it's so incredibly important. God does not hate people who are or who have been divorced. I want you to see that on the screen. I want you to hear that clearly. God loves you. God loves all of us. No matter what has happened in your relationship, no matter what has happened in your life, God loves you. God understands that we live in a very messy world, and so he provides grace, mercy, and forgiveness for all of us. So if you've been divorced, I want you to experience God's forgiveness and grace and love for you. I want you to embrace that and move forward knowing that God loves you deeply. And then if you are remarried, I hope that you'll see marriage the way that God does, as the deepest of all agreements between two people. I hope you'll make your marriage the best that it possibly can be. If you're not remarried yet, I hope that you'll see marriage the way that God does, and I hope that you'll spend your time on becoming the right type of person, a person that lives their lives to please God. God wants all of us to experience what he intended our marriages to be, and I think we can experience that as we live up to the covenant agreement that we've made with our spouses. Again, God sees marriage as a covenant agreement the deepest of all agreements between two people. And he really wants all of us to live that way, the way that he lives it with us. Now, next week, we are gonna get uh, as practical as I possibly can on what it looks like for husbands and for wives to live in that covenant relationship. The Bible's pretty clear about this. Um, God has some very specific things to say to husbands and he has some specific things to say to wives. And if you're a Christ follower, uh, we have the responsibility of understanding what God says in scripture and then living that out and living that out in our marriages. So if you want to get prepared for that, what we're going to be exploring next week is Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 through the end of the chapter. Um, I've got that listed on our spiritual growth challenge. If you want to pick up a copy of that before you leave from the connection center, or you can download a copy of that later from our website. Um, but we'll, we'll be looking at that next week. So if you want to come prepared, go ahead and read those verses this week. So um, in a moment, our worship team is going to come out and they're going to guide us through a closing song. Um, it's kind of a new song for us. And it talks about uh, looking up to God for our help. And I think the reality for all of us is that we need God's help. We can't live in our covenant relationships without God's help. It's not possible. 
And so through this song, what I hope that you'll do is recommit to what you need to commit to this morning. If you're married, see your marriage as a covenant relationship. If you're not, see it that way and do some work to become the kind of person that God wants you to become. Again, you'll never regret that. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for the gift of marriage. Lord, when I think about my relationship with my wife, I'm, Lord, I'm so grateful and humbled that you would give her to me. And I'm sure Adam felt that way when, when Eve came along. This amazing gift, this amazing relationship that we can have. And yet, Lord, so many of us don't experience what you intended marriage to be. We start... Uh, having some unmet expectations and then we shift into a set of demands that we make on each other and then our marriages just seem to look like contracts where you know we'll do our part but only after our spouse has done their part and again Lord today you've helped us to see that the covenant agreement is the deepest of all agreements between two people and that's how you see marriage that's the kind of agreement that you've entered with us And it's the kind of thing that you want us to live up to in our marital relationships. And God, we need your help. Uh, You know we're sinful. You know we have wrong expectations sometimes, wrong motives. And you, you know we can bring some baggage into our relationships. And we need help. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to live in our marriages as the covenant agreement that you see them. But we desperately need to know how to do that from your perspective. So Lord, I pray that this week we would continue to learn in that process as we're reading Ephesians chapter five. And next week, Lord, you'd help us to get very practical on what it looks like for husbands and what it looks like for wives. So I thank you for the resources that you provide us. And thank you again for the incredible gift of marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. We walked into marriage with difficulties. Our relationship was dysfunctional before we were married. And coming from a home where marriage wasn't modeled for me, um, I didn't know how to do marriage. It, it, it was really hard. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with a lot of the things that were coming up. We would get into surface level arguments that would really quickly turn into just full blown, you know, explosions. The intimacy had been so broken for so long that there was no connection anymore. And in my mind, it can never be repaired. I went to a counseling session only because I wanted to be able to say that I went and um, went and sat in this office of this counselor, just he and I, we were alone, and he just asked me if I believed that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. You know, just looked at me very intently and said, Star, do you believe it? And I said, yes, I believe it, but you don't think he can heal your marriage? And I just started to wonder, what if he could? What if he could do it? What if he could give us what I had always wanted? And Shortly after that was when Weekend to Remember came into play. It, it, was, it wasn't just a bunch of talking heads up there for the whole weekend. They gave us things to work on, and they also gave us time during the weekend to actually put them into practice. The conference was huge for me. I came from a home where people got divorced when it was too hard, and I had never in my life heard the things that I was hearing. I had never heard that God had a plan for my marriage. And so to be able to see that there was that he had actually taken the time to give me instruction on how to do this. 
that really worked was life-changing for me. God is in the business of life change and of raising dead things. And our marriage was dead, and now it's alive. I can't think of a better investment for your marriage. Uh, Sarah and I attended almost 15 years ago and made a dramatic difference in the start of our marriage. So uh, that event is coming up March 13th through the 15th. It begins on a Friday night. So if you work on Fridays, you got plenty of time to be able to make the start of the conference. If you are interested, it is only $200. It's actually $250, but we're going to kick in $50 if you register to go uh, for you to be able to bring that price point down for you. So if you are interested in uh, that please see myself at the back table beside the tech table for more information or you can go up and sign up online um, at theepicchurch.com to invest in your marriage that's coming up well we're so glad you're here my name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and thank you so much for being here if you are new with us today we're so glad that you're here today would you stop by our connection center if you have questions about epic or if you'd like more information about epic then there's somebody there who would love to be able to answer any of the questions that you have or be able to get you any information that you might have well on your seats there's an announcement sheet and if you could grab that I've got a couple things that I want to highlight a couple family events that are coming up that you'll want to attend uh, on March 7th at 5.30 p.m., that's a Saturday, right here at Buddy Taylor Middle School, Epic Kids is putting on a drive-in movie event for the family and for kids as well. And so it's a great event. Uh, they have these huge boxes that they'll give you to make cars and everything. Uh, there's going to be popcorn and candy, and it's going to be a ton of fun. So bring your chairs, bring your family, bring some friends, um, and sign up online. There's a scrolling kind of image on our website. Go ahead and click on that, and we just need to know how many people are coming. So if you're interested in coming, please sign up for that online so that we can know the numbers of, uh, that help us plan for that event. And then also this Saturday, February 28th, we are having our gleaning event. So we're going up near Palaka to pick uh, citrus uh, for families that are in need. And so this is a great Old Testament practice um, where people would have all this land, have all these crops, and they would leave some of it behind for those who are less fortunate and everything. So we have a great opportunity as families to go up there and pick orange and oranges and tangerines and everything, and then bring that back to our county and distribute that through Grace Community Food Pantry. And so it's going to be a great time. So if you would sign up online under our sign-up tab, and then also if you have signed up, you'll be getting an email this week with all the information and details of where we're going to be meeting and what times and everything. So be checking your email for that information. And then uh, another way that we can impact our community is through giving. And so if you call Epic Home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the boxes located at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. Now we are continuing in our marriage series, I Still Do, and so we just want you to sit back and enjoy the rest of the service. <laughs> 